Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Football Americana. As we continue to explore American soccer culture, it's been really fun and interesting to speak with guests who are literally part of the fabric of that culture. So today I'm talking to Paul Ariola, current winger for FC Dallas and the U.S. men's national team. He was just part of the group that qualified for the upcoming World Cup. So huge congrats on that, Paul. Paul's from Chula Vista, California. He started off his pro career in Tijuana before signing with DC United, uh, went on loan in 2021 to Swansea City, and now is back in MLS with FC Dallas. So really excited to talk to Paul today. I'm curious just to start off hearing a little bit about your uh, youth soccer experience and kind of your soccer upbringing, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, sure. First of all, just want to say thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to to having a chat with you and diving deeper into, um, you know, American soccer culture. I really just played for one youth club, um, you know, my, my entire upbringing in, in, in playing club soccer. Um, the academy growing up wasn't around when, when I, when I first started to play. Um, so I just played for a local team, um, Chula Vista Rangers. Yeah. I played with them until I was about 15, moved to, um, the, the residency program for the national team, um, and lived there for one year with the under 17 team. And then after that was kind of when the academy really started to kick off. Um, and I spent a year playing for an academy team called Arsenal, um, in Ontario, California. and then. When I turned 17, uh, a year before college, I decided to go to the Galaxy Academy um, and then kind of got more or less like my intro to professional to professional soccer through them. Yeah. And even looking at your bio and like you, you know, you literally played for all the youth national teams. It's a very, uh, in some ways, kind of a traditional uh, route to getting on the national team. Right from the start, did you always feel that you were one of the better players or kind of when did you realize, you know, that you had something special that kind of set you apart? I feel like all of our journeys, you know, it's a lot of ups and it's a lot of downs. I remember early on, right? Like I, I played for a, for a team that wasn't too big, that wasn't like one of the best, anything like that. So when I first had, had gotten recruited by at the time, the ODP um, process, you know, they invited me out to go for a tryout for, to make the Southern California uh, state team. And um, that's kind of when I was introduced to, to kind of the next level, so to speak. And I just remember going there. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought, man, I guess I'll just go and see what happens. You know, I was able to make the team. I made the cut. And then kind of early on, I was about 13 years old. It was just like consistent, like constant cuts, right? Like 
oh, I made it to the team, but then there's another cut and, you know, there's 60 players. Now there's 30 players and now there's a regional team and now there's a national team. And when you're a part of it, it's like, it's a lot easier to comprehend for than maybe for someone who doesn't, who, who, who hasn't had much experience like through that system. Um, but yeah, like early on, it was just consistent cuts. And so I was just focused on making the cut, you know, I, I, that's, that's really how it was. And then Next thing you know, I ended up just being a part of the national team, making the national team and making the regional team. I played multiple positions. Uh, so when I got recruited to, to go to tryout for the uh, Cal South team, I was, I was recruited as a forward. When I got there, they had kind of put me as a midfielder, uh, outside midfielder. You know, like three, four months later, when I had made the national team, I made it as a right defender. When I was a part of the national team going through that camp, there was a coach that knew me from Southern California. And, um, one of the games that we had, he told me, he was like, we need to put you up top. So he ended up putting me up top as a forward. And I ended up making like the youth national team as a forward. So, um, it wasn't necessarily by any means me thinking I was the best. Um, and I've, I've never really had that, that type of mentality, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a very hard worker, uh, you know, come from a, from a humble background. And, and so for me, it was just constantly like, giving it your all working as hard as you can. And, you know, hopefully good things, good things will come with that. And then, you know, you add in the, the, the quality that I had and, and things kind of, kind of all fell into, into place for me. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that. I do think you're right. A lot of people don't realize us to say, Oh, someone's on the national team. Well, you're never on the national team. Like you're on the national team for one camp or one event. And every time you have to remake it. So it's a, I, I think that's something I grew up playing in the ODP system too. It's something I really, value the how uncomfortable you always are with having to make that next cut like you talked about so definitely um, something I can relate to but you know you talked a little bit about him from a humble upbringing and you know being right near the border of of Mexico and having played in both MLS and Liga MX uh, talk a little bit about that rivalry and has it been a big part of your soccer experience and kind of how do you see that it's evolved over the years yeah it, it absolutely has been a ginormous part of my life I always played soccer, right? Ever since I was, you know, three, four years old. Um, but, uh, you know, I was fortunate, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a private school, uh, my entire life. Um, but in school I was, I was the minority, right? It was mainly Mexicans. It was a lot of Mexican Americans, Mexicans who, uh, crossed the border every day to get a, an American education. And, um, I just, I learned the rivalry when I was young, like PE or recess, like just playing, just playing. And it was always, it was always like Mexico versus non-Mexico. You know, it wasn't even like us. It was just non, it was just non-Mexico. Um, and I was always a part of that team and, and all like the little Mexican kids, they all, they all expected to win. Right. They thought, Oh, the U S you know, they, they can't beat us at soccer. Right. They have basketball and baseball and, football but they can't beat us at soccer you know and so for them i think it, it it was also a a big deal and when i look back on it you know it it was so monumental and and huge for kind of the way that i see the rivalry um because i was able to live it you know differently than than a lot of players and especially players that represent our country uh that might not have that that kind of upbringing and and kind of where where I grew up. So that was huge. And then for me to go play in Mexico, you know, was, was another huge step for me. And at the time it was great because, you know, it was, I, I grew up in a border town, like you said, uh, I crossed the border every day. I lived in San Diego while I played there um, and would just travel down for training and, and games. 
on the weekends. I understood the rivalry. I understood, you know, the importance. And I also value, I also value the Mexican league a lot. And that's, that was one, you know, one of the, the main reasons why I decided to go down to play in Mexico rather than uh, to stay in LA with the galaxy um, was, was because of, of the style of play was because of the, the system that they already had in place as far as youth development um, and, and the things that the Mexican national team had done within within the clubs uh, down in Mexico. So for me, it, w- it was ginormous. And then finally, I got to be introduced to the the, the actual rivalry on the field uh, against Mexico. And uh, it was, it, I mean, it's special. It's the game of the year. It's, it's the one that everyone gets up for. It's the one that everyone uh, you know, leaves everything out on the field just so that they can win. And, and I, you know, it, it's, it's just truly been an honor to be able to, to take part of those. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've been on the losing side and, and I've been on the winning side. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's nothing better than, than winning those games. And I'm imagining how special that is thinking about, you know, you're, you're talking about in the schoolyard growing up, like literally experiencing it at that Point and then for real, you know, standing for your national anthem to experience that rivalry. That's, um, you know, what a journey. Um, but curious to hear if you went back to the schoolyard today at the, the school where you, you know, you grew up playing, do you think that um, it's changed at all? Do you think that, you know, if you went to, to see the Mexican against everyone else game, would the Mexican players have any more respect for the US, you think? Or is it pretty much, you think, the same scene of like soccer is ours and the other sports can be yours? <laughs> yeah, I think. The people of Mexico have a hard time accepting, you know, where where we are at as a as a as a national team compared to to Mexico at the moment, um, you know. So I would hope going back to 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 that to that school and 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 to to the recess field, you would see more respect. But I wouldn't put it past them to think that they are, you know, still above. But obviously, you know, I think times times have changed, and we're in a we're in a wonderful time in in America and and. And within within American soccer, um, you know, to to see the generations and 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 the development that that we've made, uh, you know, over the four, past four or five years. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about, you know, how the rest of the world views us, not not just Mexico, but just we have been viewed as a new soccer nation. And I say new is probably the most favorable way you could put that, you know, considering how some countries who have this really ingrained in their culture view our. Um, our soccer culture. So that's kind of a good segue to, you know, your, your lone stint at Swansea. Curious to hear a little bit about that. You know, the, the championship is known as maybe the toughest league in the world. Like how was your transition there? What's your impression of your time there and uh, how did it compare to playing here for you? Yeah, it was, um, I would say it lived up to the expectation that, that, that the league had and, and, you know, playing for Swansea, um, you know, I was only there. I was only there a brief time due to injury. But Swansea at the time when I was there that year, when I had gotten into the team, I believe the team was in second place, right, by, right below Norwich. And um, you know, Swansea was viewed as a team that that w- that would consistently play and try and keep the ball, play out of the back. And I, I was kind of expecting that to be honest. And then when we when I ended up getting over there, it was it ended up being very very direct. And I started to think, man, if this is, if this is the, if this is the, one of the top teams that play, you know, I can't even imagine what the other teams, what the other teams, you know, look like when you think of the championship, you think of, you know, playing direct, you think of being physical, um, and, and playing for seconds and, and having a lot of athletic guys. It was true. You know, it, it absolutely was true. Um, and yeah, unfortunately I, I, you know, I didn't get a lot of time to, to be able to be on the field in Swansea, but. Uh, you know, the time that I did, you know, I, I was able to, 
to, to experience it and enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I thought that my, my teammates were great. The, the coach was, was a good coach and, and, you know, I was able to live in a, in a different type of pressure. You know, the pressure was to, to continue to, to be on top and, and try and make the Premier League. So is that the, you'd say the most direct team you've played in just style wise? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's absolutely. Re- really interesting. So looking forward, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about this um, in a couple minutes with, you know, the draw and you guys facing England in the World Cup. Uh, any of the players you played with or against, you know, you'd expect to be in that squad or does that give you like a, a little extra insight, you feel like, into what it might, might be like facing England? No, you know what? Um, I'm sure all the guys that play that that play over in the in the Premier League have have a lot more insight than I do. I think uh, more to say if Wales were to make the World Cup. Uh, it would be different. Like I've had one of the players and one of the athletic trainers on the team uh, message me and, and say, you know, hey, if if we get in, this is this is a nice group for us to have. Uh, so it would be more on the on the Welsh side if they were to get in. Yeah, very cool. Well, I, I think that that would obviously be fun for you. So we'll be watching to see who ends up in the group. Um, but that's a, that's a good transition. We'll talk a little bit about you know your career on the on the national team now if my stats are correct you got 44 caps and nine goals unless you've done more since then but okay okay you're nodding so that's good i'm on point with that um and you know i always think it's interesting when someone's been part of a team environment through multiple coaches so you know being in the environment with linsman and and just seeing how it's changed not just with the new crop of kind of younger guys but also just through different coaches can you talk a little bit about how the team is different now from when you first came onto the scene and got your first cap and first, or first, you know, even training camp experience. When I first came on, you know, to be a part of the national team, it was right before Copa America. Uh, I believe, I believe 2016, it was under Jurgen, And, um, you know, I was only with Jurgen a, a couple camps, uh, maybe two or three camps uh, under him, but I really enjoyed my time under him. I thought he was, I thought he was a good coach and, when I think about the national team job as, as you know, fr- from a head coach's perspective, I, you know, I think it's difficult. How do you, you know, how can you get the best players to come in and all be on the same page to have a, a great performance? You know, it, you know, I don't know, you know, is the secret, is the secret to let the guys play or is the secret to try and implement a system? Um, you know, and, and I think there's a very fine line among, you know, uh, uh, among all of it to be able to, to find the balance, to be able to be successful as a national team. And especially, like you said, uh, for, for a country that is new transformation type, you know, the, the way that we're viewed. So, um, you know, under Jurgen, it was, it was just a lot of veterans, you know, very simple, you know, kept it, kept it fairly easy. And then, you know, obviously Bruce comes in and Bruce is known to be, you know, just the magical manage, you know, manager who somehow, you know, has, has always been successful really um, throughout, throughout his coaching career. And he, he just knows how to get the best out of people. And through him, it was, it was pretty similar to Jurgen and, and, and trying to keep it simple and easy. And, and, you know, I, I think then it was, it was, it was good for the group and then transitioning, obviously past not qualifying for the world cup and kind of that's when all of the United States and, and soccer in the United States changed and obviously changed for the better. We brought in a coach in, in in Greg who was completely different than the past. You know, someone who believes in a system, someone who believes in a real culture, someone that's trying to build the national team like, you know, like a club environment. And they've been able to do that, to be to to be honest, and to give them a bunch of credit because, um, you know, you ask anyone if they're excited to go with a national team, and it, those are like your brothers. 
you know, whether you've seen them in the past month or you've seen them six months ago, like you're, you're excited to be a part of, of the group. He's helped all these young guys get so much experience, uh, within, with, you know, on the international level that, that, you know, I, I think he's, he's put us in a great position to, to be able to, to be dangerous and to perform at the highest level. It was definitely different under all three of them. Um, but you know, right now I think Greg has, has done a great job for us and, and, you know, he, he's provided clarity, uh, for us and, and hasn't been easy, obviously, you know, taking over a team after they haven't qualified for the world cup, there was a lot of pressure. There's been a lot of pressure on us. Uh, and you know, I feel like there's more eyes now than ever on what we do, how we perform, where we're playing all these different things. Um, you know, not just from uh, fans, but also, you know, different teams around the world that are consistently looking for the next, the next Pulisic, the next, the next Weston McKinney, uh, people like that. Yeah. Well, that's incredibly interesting insight into, uh, the culture of the team and, and the shift. And I think you, you said something that I think is really important that I haven't heard said before, but just the challenge of the coach of a national team to find that balance between, it seems kind of obvious, like now that you said it, but I haven't heard it articulated to find the balance between, yeah, you do, you bring in these players are already elite. Obviously you have the best of the best, but you do just like let them do their thing. Or do you actually try to implement something in your limited time? So I can imagine um, very much like the feeling the shift of, of this new phase and you can actually see it from just a spectator watching. So it's really interesting to hear from, from an insider, you know, how it's played out for you guys on the, on the field, looking at, you know, talking through qualifying. So congrats again on getting the job done there. Obviously I, I can imagine you guys all could breathe a big sigh of relief now. Um, but what would you say, you know, in that journey was, was maybe the biggest challenge or if there's any particular takeaway or if you guys are just on to the next thing and now that you did it, you got the next, uh, you know, next phase ahead. There were so many challenges, you know, uh, throughout throughout the cycle and and as there always is right i mean there it's never it's never going to be smooth it's never an easy ride there's never an easy game i would say probably the beginning of of, of the cycle was difficult for us um you know i i wasn't a part of the first camp due to injury but you know qualifying starts and everyone is excited and everyone is has their own expectations of what the team should do for us to uh tie the first two games right against uh el salvador and canada at home or did we yeah i think we tied against canada at home um and and then to have this you know to to look at okay we had six points in the first game and or in the first two games and we walk away with two um and then you go to honduras and and you're and, and and you're down in the match um, you start thinking, you know, well, welcome back to qualifying. You know, it's not, it's not as easy. And a lot of these players, um, you know, because the last cycle was a bit of a older, uh, roster, you know, a lot of these players, it's their first time playing in any type of qualifying game. It's their first time ever playing in El Salvador, or Honduras and getting to understand what CONCACAF truly is, right. It's not just the gold cup or friendlies. I mean, this is, these are hostile environments that make, you know, they make it difficult for you to play there. And I think that was a real challenge. And, and for us to come out the other side, um, obviously winning that game against Honduras and then coming, coming back and, um, you know, starting to really pick up points, uh, in, in qualifying was, was extremely, was extremely important for us. I would even say this, this, this last, this last, um, window of qualifying for us was very difficult. Um, 
we had a lot of challenges. And I remember specifically um, Greg Berhalter talking to us. Um, the I think it was the second day camp started. And he said, there's going to be things that happen that we can't control or that we do not expect. And the only way we're going to be able to 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 get through it is is to to be ready for anything to accept whatever's going to happen to us and to keep going no matter what to not forget what our end goal is which is which was to qualify for the world cup we go down to mexico and you know reggie cannon gets covid and you know guys are guys are self-isolating and you know post mexico we come back to the states in the must win game against panama and a bunch of us end up getting some type of stomach bug and we're sick and we feel awful. And it, you know, we're, we're a day before a game and then we're the day of the game and we're feeling awful. And we're thinking like, this is a must win for us. I think the group just has always been, um, you know, really resilient The you know, regardless of what people say or what people might think they see, like what, when I look at, when I look at our group as a national team, We've been so resilient. We've been able to overcome so many things and, and go through so many different challenges that maybe, you know, the the outsider might not know. But again, it, it goes back to kind of that culture and, and, and the way that that the technical staff has has kind of created for us is, is this type of brotherhood that no matter what, when it gets hard, we look at each other and we say, let's go. You know, we pick each other up when when, you know, some of us are off. And, um, you know, same with injuries. When guys are injured, we have the next man, next man up mentality and let's do it. Let's do it for them. Let's do it for ourselves. Let's do it for, for everyone else. Because, um, you know, I just think we never really lost our end goal, which, uh, you know, at first was, was to, to qualify for the world cup. And now it's, it's to, to do some real damage in the world cup. Oh, wow. I feel like I don't even need to ask questions. I'll just let you talk because everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, this is a great soundbite here. Great soundbite there. Um, but, and, and you know, what's interesting about that too, is I feel that that has always been, you know, when I think of American soccer culture, I think of on the women's side, that very much has always kind of been the mentality, but I think that's an easier mentality to have when you're on the top and when you're so close to the top, whereas you guys on the men's side have really had to fight to earn respect and, you know, to come back. There's a lot of pressure, obviously, after not qualifying to not have that repeat. So that's really something to be said for, for that resilience to, to be such a part of the culture. I think um, it's very American in, in some, some ways, but I think it maybe is a, a bit of a newer feeling from what I'm hearing you say surrounding the team. And, and that's, a, you know, it's really, it's really positive. So looking at the draw now, I'm curious from somebody who's going to actually experience playing against these teams, how do you feel? Do you feel nervous for the draw? Are you excited? Like, what are you feeling as you're watching this unfold? In the moment, I was, I was a bit of both, right? I was nervous. I was excited. We had like a, there was a little watch party in, in Dallas at the stadium um, for some fans and, and, you know, some other people. And so some of us players were, were there to watch and it was exciting. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, nerves, not, I guess nerves, not too much, you know, it's not like we're playing to, you know, the next day or anything like that. Like you still have a while to go and you have time to prepare, but, um, I'm watching it and, and I was, I was enjoying it. Right. It's, it's something that's going to impact me for the rest of my life, you know, And, and it was cool. I thought, you know, we, I think we have a, we got a great, a great draw regardless of, um, who that, who that, the other team is. 
but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I, I, I know the group is excited and, um, yeah, just, just kind of got to get ready. Yeah. So curious, do you guys, uh, as a national team, were you guys in a group chat, like throughout it, were you staying in touch or were you just touch base after the fact? No. Yeah. Just touch base, touch base after the fact, uh, we do have a group chat, but uh, it, it was not active at the time. Oh, I was really hoping there were some good stories from the group <laughs> chat, but okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, so looking, um, in particular at the England matchup, just going back to that, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Um, I know you said, you know, some of the guys obviously who now play in the Premier League will have a, a really good sense of that. Is there a particular player, uh, on that team you're most nervous to play against, or you feel like will be the, you know, for you personally, imagining yourself starting in that game, kind of like fast forwarding. I don't know if this is what you've done mentally, but I feel like this is what I always do when I think of a, a matchup. I'm like, oh, it could be against this player or that. Um, do you have uh, any thoughts, you know, personally on how, how that could play out or players you're looking forward to playing against, nervous, however you feel about it? Yeah, I think the one that sticks out um, is Kyle Walker. Um, you know, I played against Kyle Walker my first game at Swansea. We were in the FA Cup. Uh, and I came in the last 20 minutes uh, or so against Man City. Um, and I'll tell you, he was he was the the hardest defender to to go against ever in my career. His athletic ability, right? Like you get by him, he could get he can he can recover. You know, you get into a challenge, and he's super strong. You know, Ariel, like I'm not winning anything over Kyle Walker. You know, like he's 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 athletically he's a monster. Um, and technically, you know, he, he's also a very, very good player. Um, and so I think that's the one that, that, you know, I would love to be able to get another, get another chance, um, to really experience, um, playing against him. I mean, yeah, that, that would, that, would, that, that's the one guy that, that definitely sticks out for me. I'm very excited to see if we if we can see that happen in Qatar. <laughs> you know, looking at the brackets and stuff, do you uh, or just thinking about the the pool of teams? Um, do you think of a tournament? You know, when you think of a tournament favorite, does it, is there a team that comes to mind? And similarly, like a dark horse, do you have any predictions outside of you guys? We'll say, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, you know what? I think. I mean, I think obviously France. Um, is always going to be one of the favorites. Um, you know, they have, they have so much talent and, and can hurt you in so many ways. I think, you know, Brazil as well, you know, like, I mean, really you could pick so many teams, um, you know, but I, I think the, I think the beauty of it all is, is it's a tournament, you know, a, a team, you know, has to stay hot for seven games, you know, and, and, you know, they, they just have to continue to get better as the tournament goes. That's, that's, that's really all you need to do. And I think that's, that's a wonderful, um, way to look at, at a tournament is you don't have to be better than every single team. You just have to be better on that one day against that one specific team that you're playing against. And so anything can happen. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely, definitely those, those two really stick, stick out to me. Um, just thinking about it. Yeah. And that's well said about the tournament, um, set up. It is, it's a special type of competition, um, you're making me really excited for the World Cup now. Thinking about this, but uh, so so I've heard you in in a, I don't know if it was another interview. I'm sure you said this more than once. But talk about you know playing in a World Cup and scoring in a World Cup is like a, a lifetime dream of yours. How do you feel about where you are career wise at this point? Like, are there areas of your game that you're really uh, in particular working on? Um, 
I guess, like, do, how do you far do you feel like you are from your personal peak as a player? I'm always curious to hear that from professionals. I think this is something people don't realize that, you know, you could be a professional player. You could be on the U S men's national team and like, you're still analyzing, I'm assuming your own performance and, and working on things. So I think it's interesting for people to hear a little bit about how you view, you know, where you are. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think, I think I'm very harsh on myself, critical of myself always. Um, and again, it goes back to kind of my mentality and, and the way that I just, the way that I think, right? Like as someone that's competitive, you're always happy when you win or when you score, but it, but it goes away after hours, you know, and, and you look back and you think I scored a goal. Okay. Well, you know, I had three chances. Like how can I put those other two chances away? You know, how can I be more impactful? And I think that's, that's where I'm at. And I've always been my final product has always been in question, right? It's, it's always been the question for, um, for fans is, you know, how can, you know, how can Paul score more, you know, he needs to score more goals or he needs to be more impactful, which I a hundred percent agree with. And, and, and I think that's as an attacker, you know, your job is, is to help produce goals. Um, and I think for me, the key is to, to try and remember that, you know, I have the final, uh, uh, an extra millisecond, you know, to, to take a breath or to not, not overrush my, my, my shot or my cross or anything like that. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is confidence. And I think, you know, that was one of the reasons why, uh, FC Dallas was just the perfect fit for me when it came down to me kind of going different places and why, why I ended up in Dallas was because, um, you know, Nico Estevez, the coach for Dallas is, is also, you know, used to be assistant coach for Greg. Um, and we play very, very similar system to the national team. Uh, and, and I learned early on, you know, in the national team and that I, I can be very successful in a, in a type of system like that. I could be a very impactful player. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think sometimes the difference between, um, you know, a quality player having, a great season and a phenomenal season uh, can be the system sometimes. Uh, you know, it's obviously a team sport and you can't do everything right. Um, and so I think, you know, being in this system will will really help me, you know, have a breakout year. I'm really confident in that. I'm really confident in um, the players that I have around me as well for me to, to, to be successful and, and also for the club to be successful. And just listening to you, I have one more question and then some like quick hitters to, to just finish off. But I'm hearing you and I'm thinking like you're so analytical about, you know, yourself and, and the coaches you've played for and the, the systems you've played. And it's really it's fun to listen to. Do you have a vision for uh, will you stay involved in the game post playing? I hope you have many years left in your playing career. But what's what's the vision for what you might do after if you have a plan? You know, currently, I, I would love to um, I would love to be a youth coach. I really would. And I think, I think back to my youth, my, my youth coach, when I was really young, he coached me after my dad had coached me from about 10 to 15 years old. Um, he's like my second father. He, um, he used to always tell me like, you know, my job is done when I can sit down on the TV and watch one of my players play. And, um, you know, I was the, I was the, you know, I'm, I'm the player that he gets to sit down on the weekend and, and watch play. And for me, I think, I can help do that as well um, as a coach, you know, and, and I don't know. I, I just think like, can you try and bring a professional environment into a youth club setting? I think we could, I, but I think it takes commitment. I think it takes commitment from 
families. And I also think it takes commitment from, you know, the coach and, and, and some of the staff, you know, assistant coaches and all that stuff. So I would be very curious to try and do that and just try and inspire youth and help, you know, build more youth players in, in this country. I love it. I was going to say coach, but I didn't want to lead you there just in case that's what you weren't thinking. But um, no, no, I, I think that's great. And I can imagine just from hearing you talk, uh, the impact you could have on on younger players and um, you. especially through sharing your own experiences and everything. I'm going to finish off with, we're calling this the false nine. It's like nine rapid fire things. So kind of the first oh, thing gosh. you think of on these, they're not, well, hopefully they're not that hard, but some of them are fun. Um, okay. So as a spectator, what all-time match would you want to have been at? Oh man, I will go into the future and say the 2026 World Cup final if I'm not there. Okay, I love it. We haven't had anyone say a match in the future, so that's a good one. Um, okay, you have to pick somebody to take a penalty to save your life who's taking it. I'd say uh, Ronaldo. Or I would say, secondly, I would, I would go with someone that I personally know. I'd say Christian Pulisic. Wow. No pressure on him. No <laughs> got to send him this clip, make sure he's practicing. <laughs> no pressure. Um, okay, first match you remember watching? A Galaxy game. I don't know against two, but um, Hercules Gomez was there. Hercules uh, Gomez bobblehead night. Love that. Uh, he was a youth coach at my club when I was really young. Um, played for the semi-pro team, San Diego Gauchos. Went to, went to the Galaxy and then ended up being my teammate in Tijuana. So that's a, a special one for me. Yeah. Is the bobblehead sitting on your desk there with you? <laughs> no, I don't know where it went, to be honest. Um, great. Well, maybe this is the same answer, but who do you have a poster of in your room growing up? Uh, Beckham. Yeah. Decent that. player. Decent player. Um, yeah, okay. Favorite that. stadium you've played in? Favorite stadium I played in? Man, these are good questions. Um, so many, to be honest with you. Um, I really I really like LAFC. Um, I loved playing against uh, Tigres in in Mexico. Um, I would probably say those two stadiums for sure kind of stand out to me. Great. Uh, your U.S. men's national team teammate with the best dance moves. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. Or you could say worst if you want to change it around. I don't know <laughs> if you want to call anyone out like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If any, I don't know. If, if you have bad dance moves, I don't know if you're dancing, you know? That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably say Weston. Okay, okay. Your favorite pair of sneakers? Currently dunks, but any type of any type of Nike dunks. Uh, I'm just like, I'm just addicted to them right now, you know? Like every, every day, I'm just like, yeah, I gotta wear them. Okay. Uh, your go-to snack? I try not to snack, but like a, a snack that I shouldn't be eating is probably like Takis. Okay. Interesting. Try not to snack. I feel like a lot of players are always snacking. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Last one. Uh, if you're ever playing pickup, what's your pickup pet peeve? Probably kicking the ball away. That'd probably just get me going. I mean, that gets me going in, in, in games anyways, you know, I, I think that would just drive me crazy probably. Yeah, especially in pickup when you might not have a whole bag of soccer balls ready on the side to get the next one. So. <laughs> um, great. Well, Paul, thank you so much. I, I really uh, I appreciate your time. I learned a lot today and I, I really enjoyed listening to you talk. So I can imagine one day, I, I will enjoy watching you play, but I can imagine one day that a lot of youth players will be very fortunate to, uh, to hear your wisdom. So thanks again for thank the conversation. You. Yeah, thank you for having me.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.